0: Hello Max.
1: Hey Dennis,
0: how are you? Oh, I'm do I'm doing just fine. Uh I'm uh, so- thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for giving me another shot. <laughs> <laughs> Technology, I love how it works. You know, when we were uh, I was talking to Melissa, my wife, uh before uh before our conversation and we were t- and she was talking about she said, "You know, Wocho, when you were playing this character, Wojo, on Barney Miller, and this was such a cutting-edge show because they were going through gay rights and women's rights and, and the environment and Agent Orange, and she sa- she asked me, she said, I wonder if all the things that the writers went through and all the things that Wojo went through had any impact on your consciousness and all the activism that you did afterward. Can, can you Can you share anything about that?
1: Um. Yeah. You know what? do so that I don't forget. I wanted to send a shout out to uh, Denise Rangel, who I just know is a is a, is a great uh, fan of the show in the best oh. sense of the word. So if I could just do you that, bet. so that I don't forget. So so hey, Denise.
0: Oh, um, thanks, I, Max. I, all right. All right. Well, go. All right. So go on now. Tell me. Tell me about the. Uh about that, and then we're going to go on to uh, to talk about lap and, and and all the dialogue and everything that that you're creating.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I first of all, I think uh, in the, the sort of the larger piece of that is that all of the characters were a combination of an aspect of Danny Arnold's personality. Danny created the show, um, oh. you know, wrote all the episodes for the first three years. He maybe didn't do the first pass on it, but he did the final really responsible for um, the show, the level of writing, the, uh, the ensemble way that we all work together, you know, so, but the other half of that is that the characters were all also um, uh, 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 had a piece of us, and that was yeah. Danny's insight. Um, some of the later characters, like Steve Landisberg's Dietrich and Ron Carey's uh, um you know, Levitt were actually, you know, there he really he knew he wanted to bring them into the show on a regular basis, so he created a character that really worked for them. But oh. um in my case I think the original uh character that was in the first pilot that didn't get picked up. And when I met Danny he told me I had a guy uh, playing this part, he's doing a play in New York, I I can't um I can't get him. But uh, I wish I could. <laughs> Uh, and you're really not like him, but if you want to go ahead and read, okay. And then when I left the room, the last thing he said was, you showed me there's a different way to do it. And it was oh. it had a dip in Kaczynski, and it was, um, you know, much more of a black and white, totally black and white um, guy, you know, through and through on every level. Everything yeah. And, um, you know, I found in approaching it and how I could sort of make my peace with playing and stuff that that, that there was that surface level and then underneath it, you know, underneath every bully is a shy person, underneath yeah. every cynic is a romantic, that kind of thing. So um, I think that uh, uh, so for all of our characters, we kind of evolved in ways that had to do with stuff that was really going on with us. Now, I was more of a uh, San Francisco transplant. I'd spent a little bit of time in New York, but I mainly came down from San Francisco. I'd kind of sidestepped into into acting because there was a stage play of uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Uh, that had opened there, and they were looking for uh, understudies because suddenly they had a bit of a hit on their hands, and I went down red just because it was raining and I didn't want to go to rugby practice. You know, I, I really hadn't done any acting. But I'd taken a course when I was getting my MBA. Uh, I took a course in the theater department just to take something out of the business school. You know, it was really a set of uh, kind of drift and design circumstances. So, but, uh, but you know, uh, wound, uh, the, the occupation of Alcatraz was going on at that time, the American Indian Movement, which was a part of the larger movement that was the Civil Rights Movement was going on, uh when I did the play in New York, the wounded knee occupation was taking place. But I was when I if I came into Barney Miller, I was more of a long haired barefoot motorcycle riding um I don't know if I really qualified as a because I got out there too late, you know, I got out to San Francisco in nineteen sixty nine. But I mean I was certainly more of that than anyone else in the cast and more um uh more of a tendency to uh sort of bring that kind of sensibility in. Sure. Not that uh everybody else didn't have a all all of the people in the show were you know have, have thought about the world uh, and were aware of the world they were living in. Uh contrary maybe to some actors or people in any realm that are only thinking about themselves. You know, everybody had it pretty conscious Steve might have uh Steve Lannisberg brought it out in his stand up comedy, you know, uh, so I'm not yep. I'm not trying to place myself as, as more concerned or more involved or anything, but I think in terms of um, some of the issues that we got into dealing with, it became, um, you know, a, a neat kind of thing that they, you know, when Danny realized the there was no um, evacuation plan for New York. He said, we got to do a show about this. So he had Wojo discover there was no evacuation plan plan for New York, you know. Wow. That's because Wo- the kind of guy who could get upset about this and say we need to do something whereas most people tended to think, Yeah, that's bad, but we got this to deal with and that to deal with and you know, it'll get, you know, that, that more um passive uh response. So, you know, um
0: same with Wojo's
1: kind of uh, homophobia and that sort of thing. So I don't know that it um it gave me a chance to be involved as an artist uh, and find the yeah. humor in issues that uh do tend to be, you know, issues tend to get be about polarization and sometimes yeah. the truth gets lost as people go picking sides when everybody does have a perspective
0: <laughs> so um i love that because that that's what, that's what i want to bring us up to today in, in 2011, I want you to. Would you please talk about LAP? And, and 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 I love your idea of your quest to create the context for dialogue rather than debate. Can you please talk about that and uh, give me some some context there and and how you're applying it and and what's going on in the mind and soul of Max scale.
1: Sure, I, I I'd love to. And uh, let me say that I I do think that was one of the things that was uh, you know the people who did. Uh love Barney Miller because lots of people never saw it, of course, and <laughs> you know, or sure or what else, but I think there are people who did see that <clears throat> while there are ways that people kind of come down on opposite sides of an issue that humanity is really a circle, I and mean, we are all related everybody's got uh, you know something that they can some there's room for understanding and finding uh finding solutions, and humor's a big part of that, but yeah. Uh, when i was to take lap back to that time and bring it up into the now um in the last year, 1980 which was almost the last year we we did bleed over into 1981 shooting but in the, throughout 1980 home uh, portable video had just uh, appeared uh in the world and uh so um I felt there was a way, the three-quarter inch tapes were the big deal for local news. You know, our remote cameras, there was no satellite feed or anything like that going on, but uh, yeah. at least it wasn't, the only t t v cameras were these big pedestal cams uh, that cost a lot of money, you know, had to roll around on a flat uh, studio s- surface. So, yep. Uh, and the uh, half-inch uh, cameras, uh, which were still very cumbersome compared to what we can put in our pocket now, But they were uh, not quite in the stores yet, but the technology had been developed and they were being seeded out to all the professional cameramen just to play with them and, uh, you know, get some feedback and all. So I felt there was a way, you know, what had evolved for me was that I was spending my work time with Barney Miller and my personal time uh, mostly with uh, the No Nukes movement, uh, people who felt that we just weren't... You know, we're, we're not uh, taking a, a safe enough look at what nuclear energy uh, involved. And yeah. um, and uh, a lot of Native American issues that overlap with other environmental issues. And, um, you know, for me, internally, it was a time of finding that my sort of science to economics to MBA to acting trajectory, I found a lot of things missing in the basic... Um, idea of, of capitalism, and uh, they weren't solved by communism, you know, it wasn't that. There was sure. something missing in how we uh, uh, thought about using our resources and having a healthy uh, world, particularly that we pass on to our uh, those coming after us. And I found amongst uh, Native American people, uh, some who hadn't gotten out of high school and others who had PhDs, you know, but an overall way of looking at it that was very profound, uh, and very meaningful and kind of a missing piece from the way we were looking at the world and just dividing it between communism and capitalism. Uh, it was kind of like dividing the world between Catholicism and Protestantism, you know? And Yeah. yeah. yeah I, and I felt also, since, since I was in this show, that in those days, of course, there were three networks in PBS, so... You know, if you were in a primetime show, you didn't go anywhere without somebody in the room going, Hey, where's (laughs) Barney? And, you know, that ease that fit with my, the way I grew up in the Midwest and in a big family of outgoing, with outgoing parents and stuff. So that kind of ease with people. Uh, And so even though I was spending half my time kind of in mainstream America and as a part of law enforcement, at least in the.
0: Yeah the overall
1: realm of law enforcement. Um, yeah, police generally tend to say that Barney Miller was the most realistic cop show on the air, at least uh, during that yeah. time. Uh, so, uh, but I found that you know we had way more in common. However, we sliced and diced ourselves into you know black and white, or uh, or or uh, liberal or conservative, or older over forty or under forty, or management or non-management, or. Democrat, you know, it's like we we, we are all uh, related and connected and our families are connected up and there's just more commonality. And um, the Lakota, there's a Lakota expression, metakweasne, it's usually translated as for all my relations. It's kind of the amen on their prayers, you know. As a matter of fact, in that way, in that spiritual way, it is the prayer. What you're saying up until it is just, what you're saying to get the thoughts and gather your hearts and minds together and say, for all my relations, Uh it could be oh. translated, we are all related, you know, so that expression of relatedness, and I felt there was a way, using uh, music, my friend David Amram, uh, who's a wonderful, was a protege of Leonard Bernstein's, and I'm not with... Uh, 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 Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and those guys and, and just a world musicologist and a wonderful guy just celebrated his 80th birthday. But David liked to say, wow. "If the eyes are the windows of the soul, the ears must be the doorway." You know, to some people, music is the closest expression of spirit,
0: in art or anything.
1: Yeah. So I thought there was a way to I called what I was doing a docu musical. You know, to have the interviews and the conversations but also the music and how people get an understanding of how profound and wonderful uh, Native American music was and how much a part of American music it was. You know, the American music that grew up and became the, the blues and jazz and uh, American musical theater. Um, and that there was just a way to, to, to share all of that. So uh, I was in a way following David and my friend Floyd Westerman who I met when I met other leaders of the American Indian movement, but Floyd was a singer-songwriter whose work expressed how Native per- Americans were, uh, you know, what what the world felt like to them in dealing with having to have their feet in two canoes in a way, you know, and dealing with having you know, suffered a holocaust that was not recognized because we still have a you know a professional football team in our in our national capital called the Redskins, which is a kind of a pejorative. Um, you know, not that uh, Native Americans won't uh, use the word "skins." You know,
0: <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's the
1: same way as my, son, my my son's uh, you know his mother's African American, so he can use the N word in a way that I can't. You know, right? Uh, but, you know, exactly. but, but nonetheless, you know, there's a there is a lot of kind of still la- very layered racism. Uh, even though in 1978 we did pass the Native American Freedom Act, which meant it was okay for Native Americans to. Practice their religion. In 1978. You know? yeah. um th- that whole movement was about a reassertion of sovereignty rights, which are part of the Constitution from the get-go, but uh, always kind of dealt with it. So that was then. This is now. So there were all these, you know, wonderful things happening that actually had value for everyone. And I thought there was a way to share that by just incorporating cameras into the places I was going and the people who were shooting. Whether they were documentary filmmakers or people who worked for a network or something, including them in on it. So in a way, I was anticipating uh, MTV and anticipating Real World. Although instead of you know cameramen that you don't see, you always saw them. Well, it was too radical for ABC at the time. (laughs) We were electing Ronald Reagan, and they say, "Oh, and if you were talking about the rainforest, then people thought you know you were stuck in the '60s." You know, five years later, it was was totally trendy. But anyway, I ended up with that uh, all of that tape because I was on my dime and when the show ended, I I I did a few uh jobs I was looking to uh you know pull that together and I thought there was a wonderful story to tell there. But I also got married and I had a kid and when, when I was in uh New York uh, doing a one man play on Babe Ruth and we discovered that my wife had colon cancer. Uh, oh, which, you. uh you know, she, she stayed alive for a couple of years. And then I was a single mom for a few years. And all of that stuff and my own music, uh, you know, songwriting, all that was put on the back burner as, uh, you know, the creation handed me um, a next, uh, you know, graduate to the next level of things to think about. And uh, uh, so, you know, but finally time came around in the uh, early 90s. I was thinking, boy, that stuff, I I could never let go of it. It seemed even more meaningful in a way. as time had gone on, uh, the CD-ROM was the uh, big new deal. for people who had computers who were buying up every CD-ROM that anybody would make. I thought, gee, that'll really help because uh, I can put people can listen to the whole song, or they can listen to the whole interview. You know, there's a lot, a lot more depth, background, and stuff than to try to reduce this to a, a linear one-hour documentary. And um, yeah. so, as I explored that, I learned that that platform was going to, you know, have maybe another year, and something else was coming, and somebody showed me something that was still, it was developed by college students in Illinois called Mosaic. About a year and a half later, it became the Netscape browser, and so that was the first browser that let people move around on the World Wide Web easily. The Web existed, but it was still, you know, uh, difficult. You had to put in long addresses and stuff. Sure. This uh, the browser that once Netscape came out with their browser, Microsoft went. Holy moly, we we thought the internet was going to be nothing, and they came (laughs) out with their browser, and of course now we have Firefox and Safari and all these browsers. But that really opened the gates, and I felt like when I saw that, my thought was, you could connect Sesame Street and Head Start. You know, you could connect the on the ground, uh, well, the on air broadcast realm. Uh, which Sesame Street had emerged in the late 60s, I believe, or early 70s. And then Head yeah. uh, Start was certainly something uh came out of the um, Great Society. You know, it was one of the great and lasting, shamefully underfunded, but still lasting programs. Well, it sure. might be cut well, but to provide nutrition for poor kids who were showing up at school without having had breakfast. Yeah. And uh, it's done a lot of good. You know, they say, well, it's not lasting good, but that's because once they hit, like, third grade, then they don't get that breakfast anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Anyway, how to connect up things that were, you know, going out on air with the stuff that's happening in communities and on the ground and in neighborhoods. and, and, uh, And it evolved into, you know, how to link up, where uh, business and government and not-for-profits on the local level all the way up to the national and international level all have a lot in common. Everything they're doing is sort of overlapping. It all depends on each other because that's the nature of community. So I settled on the word LAP as a name for local access places. I thought, what about a place-based show like Barney Miller or Cheers, set in a place, but set in a place that doesn't exist but wants to, where people can come. Get access to computers and to each other and, and kind of circle up and share their creative affinities and, uh, um, uh, you know, interests and abilities and begin to help the community and each other tell their own stories to each other. And, uh, um, I was uh, ahead of the game in many ways, you know, we were was, was a long ways off from the bandwidth to do video. Yeah. And, uh the, you know, on every level of government, we were actually becoming more and more polarized, and the business world was galloping a- off over uh, the horizon, which turned out to be a cliff. As yes, everybody was just yeah. pouring huge dollars into, you know, we're going to set up this website. There are this many left-handed dentists. They have a disposable income of this much. <laughs> we're going to be the website that gets all of their attention, and then we're going to sell advertising on it. You know, it didn't. It wasn't much about what are these tools here for to help us to do. Yeah, And, uh, uh, you know, in in some ways we're still uh, exploring that, but a lot of things uh, like social networking. A friend of mine has just written a wonderful book called We First. He's an ad guy. He was, you know, a part of the people that created the Nike ads. uh, Yeah. and, um, and And he's a good friend of another friend of mine, Jesse Dillon, one of Bob Dillon's sons who you know, worked on the Obama campaign and other great, you know, people are really thinking about how do we use social media and, and uh, you know, messaging to make a better world. And what uh, Simon Mainwaring with his book, We First, it's the shift that's happening is corporations are realizing they need to shift from a me first attitude toward everything to a we first. You know, what makes, what is it that they're doing that makes the world a better place? and how can how are consumers participating and through their buying choices and stuff and so you know we're moving into a different time but my experience yeah. was in uh trying and bringing together people from different sectors um and in participating where others are doing it you know up in the northwest where they were bringing uh uh state and local and tribal and uh, and Canadian uh and federal uh, government organizations, and commercial fishermen, and tribal fishing rights, and sports fishers, all together to deal with the fact that the salmon were disappearing, because the salmon didn't know that those were Canadians on that side of the river with that jurisdiction. And you know, the salmon was just disappearing. <laughs> and so, in a way, that traditional thing of circling up and sharing visions and sharing needs and aspirations and really hearing everybody out and trusting that something will emerge with the way people can work together for the common good. And that's really what I found LAP to be coming about, even though uh, it it began as an acronym for local access places, you know, the LAP. (laughs) Places imply people and programs and tatter like you're hearing now and principles like love and peace and laughter and passion. So it all kind of came back to LAP, you know, but... Basically yeah. that idea. I said, All right, so I found myself with people saying, All right, let's circle up and everybody share what's in your lap and when we do that we'll it'll emerge for us what's in our lap. I call it lap in, you know. <laughs> and uh running rough. lap you know, so it's a kind of a simple languaging to propose to each other and practice, you know, coming together that sort of invitation and intention circle up and have that conversation as David Isaacs at MIT with he calls it the Dialogue Project. He wrote a wonderful book called yeah. Dialogue. He said, um, you know, a conversation with a center rather than side. Uh the art yeah. of thinking together. And I'm gonna shut up and let you ask me a question. I'm just gonna end this this riff I put out about LAP and lapium and running laps. Is that he he um he said in the uh, uh, the, uh, introduction to his book, he talked about dialogue through it's by the word or through the word, and that original Greek, the meaning of the word Greek logos, in its oldest meaning had a had an expression of a kind of gathering up, and uh, with, uh, the image I like is that like you're gathering up an armful of wheat out of a field of wheat, you know, a gathering in the sense that all things are connected. So he said if if you wonder what does that mean, you know, that that um expression in the beginning was the word. Yeah. Um uh is uh is um that uh the word would be he said I think do. if you wonder what the word would be, it would be relationship. In the beginning was relationship. And when I read that I thought Wow, all this division between Native American and, and, and European and the roots of it, you know. But you go back not all that far in the time we've been here and the time life has existed, you know. And you see that there's really a commonality there that it is about relationship, you know. And if we if we don't understand our relationship, then our connections are sort of meaningless. They can only be used to divide us. So that's my that's what my Jones is these
0: days, you know. Is God that's is, terrific. Is, uh, you know,
1: that uh, in, an invitation to open heart and open mind.
0: And Max, what I love about what you're doing is that you can take it from a micro level and what's going on there, and apply it because it's in the community where we're all one. And then you can apply it on the macro level. It's absolutely translatable. Well, I love uh, that you say that. I would say,
1: um, you know, I can in every way that I uh, can, but I'll also uh, it's more like we can. I mean, I can't alone. You know, that idea that you have the spokesman or the Thank president, you. somebody says it, you know, we are all in this together. You know, all of yeah. our laps do overlap. I mean, for one thing, our laps each go out to at least the environment around us in the world we're handing on to our kids so and their kids you know and our grandchildren and theirs so uh, our labs do overlap we we just need to have a process where we discover it instead of define our our boundaries and our barriers if those are limitations and and um uh you know not that debate doesn't have its place <laughs> it does yeah you know? but um uh you know it's it's we we default to debate on every issue, you know, are you for evolution or against it? Well, that evolution is an evolving concept, you know. <laughs> I mean, what, do you, what do you really mean by that, you know, science or religion? Well, there really is not a line between science and religion. They are two ways of looking at the world, you know, but they overlap. They're both part of creation. They both are... Uh, you know, emerge, you know, as part of that the mind of mankind, which is a part of the mind of the universe. I mean, we, we, you know, if we use those words to separate and, 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 and hold on to narrow meanings to kind of make somebody else wrong so we can feel more right, uh, then, of course, we just stay right there. But if we have the openness to know that we're all on the learning curve together, <laughs> I think, um, you know, so I, I you know, I, I love there are people bringing the Palestinians and, and Jews together. You know, there are, uh, with, uh, you know, the families of Palestinian and, and, and Israeli parents who meet up because they yeah. met in the hospital where they both have kids who have been injured because of the war. You know, Oh, I, uh, a friend of mine does this, um, engaging the other conferences. Um, uh, he's a humanistic psychologist and, uh, born in Michigan, but, uh, and last time we were running last at, uh, at his conference, but there were people there, Palestinians and Israelis, who had been in each other's prisons, armed, armed wow. service, you know, fighters who had been in each other's prisons, and then had afterward they realized we can't continue doing this, and they'd reached out to each other, and were are having dialogue with each other. Not that it's always easy, you know. Another friend of mine uh, that I'm working with on we call it dialogue for peace where we're getting college students from America to video conference with college students in Iraq. But uh, he made a film called uh, uh, that where he went with parents, American parents whose children had been killed in the war in Iraq, to meet in Jordan with Iraqi parents whose children had been killed. In
0: what I love about it is that it's going past... The hierarchy, the, the the artificial hierarchy of what we think is you know quote unquote reality in the business world and all that, and we're going to the underpinnings where the human beings live.
1: Yes, and it's from there that these differences and difficulties and misunderstandings and uh, lack of understanding that that are are very real. I'm not I'm not minimizing them, you know, and not at all. There are awful things that happen in the world, you know, but. Um, But we aren't. I don't believe we're going to solve any of these. Uh, You know, we're not going to find those solutions um, as adversaries.
0: No, no, uh, because we're we're all in. And and I love what you were talking about because I feel it so deeply. That Namaste place, that place of where we're all in this together. There literally isn't an us and them. There's only us. That is terrific uh god max I, I could talk with you for so long I was in the last minute that we have uh is there is there anything that you want to you know people to to either think about or a place to go to or 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 something that we can continue on uh this conversation uh for all of us in our thoughts and hearts well
1: i would uh you know I would love to put out uh that um, you know, uh, my, my website, I haven't touched since back when I saw what was coming with social networking. I said, I'm going to put the resources in, you know. So, uh, but you could uh, go there or send me an email, max.lap.org, you know, or find me on um, right. on Facebook. Uh, uh, I'm Maxwell Gale. My son is Max Gale. Um, you know, there's an explanation for that. But anyway, they, we're both Maxwell <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. Uh, you know, and, uh, LinkedIn. I mean, if you want to, uh, connect in any way, um, and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, lap in with each other and see where our paths overlap. And, uh, right. and I also want to say that, uh, although, um, I was very exasperated that I blew it last week, it was really wonderful listening to you, uh, cover. <laughs> For uh, for a half an hour and share yourself and honor uh, your listeners who had tuned in, you know. And I thought it was a wonderful um, uh, monologue. And uh, thank you for not, uh, you know, <laughs> wiping the floor with me for for blowing it technologically. But um, you know, uh, it is my it, it is this deeply my pleasure. You.
0: Thank and you, man. Uh, so uh, let, let our next time together be so long. All right, we'll do that. All right, thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.